yards. Judd Burton, welcome to the Edge broadcast. Well, thank you, Daniel. Sorry, I had just a tad bit of technical difficulty there. No way. I've never had technical difficulty besides every oh. show. <laughs> I should have a humanity scholar like me. I should have that together, right? Man, I'm thinking. But no, you you like the wasn't there like a, a the crazy professor Jerry Lewis man? I mean, he was a professor. He's brilliant, but man, you know, sometimes he's his noodles slipped a couple times. Absent-minded professor syndrome, and I, I I'm guilty of that. Well, we gonna forgive you because we all about forgiveness. Doctor Judd, welcome to the program and. You know, America, to me, is on some kind of preposis right now. It's a, It can go left and it can go right. It seems like it's going left, but left seems like it's going to go straight to hell, is, is that area there. Are there comparisons that we can glean from history about Rome and, uh, and America? I think about civilizations in, in general. You know, if you think of of the history of a given civilization as its sort of medical charts, you know, or medical history, rather, you get a, a, a sense of its ups and downs and where it's been and kind of where it's going and what, what, uh, what caused it to flourish, what caused it to diminish. Um, you know, these are, they're almost like laws of nature uh, in that they, they can be observed over space and time, and so they give you they give you something of, of a prognosticative tool to gauge the not only gauge the health of a given civilization such as our own, uh, but but to again sort of foreshadow um, you know what what potential outcomes may be, mm-hmm. and a lot of people will probably be familiar at least in terms of, of, of the title of the book with uh, the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. It's one of those seminal works in history uh, by a historian named Edward Gibbon uh, who, who lived in the 18th century. So he was one of the uh, Enlightenment thinkers of the day, in, influenced by the Enlightenment and gave his contribution. Um, and as I say, it's one of those classical volumes, um, the classics, as it were, like Mark Twain said, those are um, those are the books that everybody wants to have read, but nobody wants to take the time to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and boy, Gibbon is not necessarily light reading. I don't agree with all all of his conclusions, but uh, it's a it's a pretty exhaustive, expansive treatment of, of the history of that period of Rome uh, written in uh, all of the flowery superfluousness of the uh, uh, 18th century English mm-hmm. uh, but amongst the more salient points that he makes about Rome he talks about five five things that led directly to the demise of the Roman Empire mm-hmm. uh, and these were uh, uh, internal strife, both political, cultural, social. Um, the second one is a, a tremendous uh, uh, economic upset. Um, the third one was a, a was basically that the empire had become too big for its own britches. It had become too unmanageable. It splits in half. 
and then you also have uh, a weakened military was the, the fourth precursor and the final nail in the coffin uh, was a combination of, of, of quote-unquote barbarian tribes <laughs> immigrating into and invading um, and we can get into the meat and potatoes Bar- of this. Barbarian <laughs> tribes. I want to talk about that. Who, what, who, who represents a barbarian tribe right now? Well, uh, gosh, I, I feel like almost anything I would say would, would have me labeled as a xenophobe. But um, basically, you know, people who come here for just a free ride and mm. don't want to contribute mm. anything has, has less to do with much, much less, almost nothing to do with ethnicity and more to do with, um, you know, are, are they going to be a strain on our way of life and mm-hmm. our, our political and economic system, well, or are they going to contribute? Well, let me ask something, uh, Dr. Judd. It seems to me, I just read an article the other day saying that some hospital, maybe in Virginia, started turning away Americans because they were filled up with Afghanis. Now, I don't know if you heard my ranting points, but Americans were not against them immigrants. Ben, did, if, did you hear my ranting points? I did not. Okay. My, I posit this, that every person that comes over here should have a bill, a, a number with a bill, basically a, a debt, like a student debt. And, and from the flight over here, the cost of that, to the credit card they get, to the house they get, to the insurance they get, to the health care they get. They're going to get it all. License. They're going to, America, Joe Talley Biden, he's wanting $90 billion just for this group of people, okay? Never mind the billions that we're spending for the other group of people coming up. But I'm just thinking that we're open-hearted, but America spilt blood and treasure to get where we are. And if we're not giving that stuff to the veterans, there's no way we should give, be given to somebody just because they've been chased around on the other side of the world and the culture that they helped develop. I'm, so what I'm saying is each person should have a debt. I mean, we'll give it to them, get them started. Then say, now now you got to get a job. You know, say, here, we've got you completely set up. Now go get a job. There's, they're everywhere. Benefits cutting off. And then they begin, the, no matter what amount, to pay back the debt that they have accrued in us setting them up, wouldn't that wouldn't that be fair? And wouldn't they earn more respect as an immigrant in the eyes of everyone? Yes, and um, I know that some people have even put forward a kind of uh, American um, foreign legion, you know, in which mm-hmm. people coming in would have to do mandatory, uh, you know, military service uh, and go go through, you know, basically citizenship training uh, if they were going to going to stay. I've heard that proposed. I think a combination of those those two things might actually work together. Um, but yeah, I mean, Americans are, are historically giving people. I mean, we, we are, we really are a nation of, of immigrants, but we can't, the, the immigrants that founded this country, you know, came here to not have divided loyalties, mm-hmm. to be all in or nothing. Um, you know, it's fine to retain your cultural heritage. We don't, we don't want people to give that up. Um, I'm a red-blooded American, but I'm also, I'm a, I'm a proud Texan too. I don't want to give up my Texas heritage. So we, we understand regionalism to that point. We under, understand cultural heritage, but you know, when you're here, be present. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think the, I've heard measures such, such as you propose, 
scattered around the American Foreign Legion uh, idea. See, there's a parallel here with Rome because uh, we're running out of, not that we really had freebies to give away anyway, but to, to say that we're running out of freebies to give to people coming into this country semi-legally, illegally, mm-hmm. is beyond the pale. It's really euphemistic at this point. We don't have any more baubles to have out. Mm-hmm. We don't have the resources to back that up. Mm-hmm. The parallel here to draw is that um, after the so-called crisis of the 3rd century in Roman Roman history, this is the period of, of the splitting of the empire ostensibly to make it more manageable so that now you have the Eastern Empire and the Western Empire. And this was a time of, of, of changing personality for the Roman state to, uh, you know, it had become vastly more pluralistic than it had been, of course, in previous centuries mm-hmm. because of all the territory that it had gobbled up. So you got people in, you know, just the city of Rome, you've got people from Britain and Gaul living there in the third century. You've got people from as far away as places like Afghanistan, which was called Bactria at the time, India. You've got people from India living there. So that, that gives you an idea of, of how, how ethnically diverse and, mm-hmm. and thus culturally diverse Rome was becoming. Those aren't necessarily bad things, but when pluralism detracts from the initial trajectory of, of the state, when it goes beyond the bounds of providing it and making it a functional state, that's when you run into problems. Now, what I was getting at in, in terms of making a parallel with, with the barbarian invasions uh, that really pick up steam in the third century um, it seems like all throughout Roman history, even going back to the monarchy, the barbarians were always at the gates. You know, mm-hmm. either they were dealing with the other tribes in Italy, like the Sabines across the, the mountains, or the Cisalpine Gauls in in northern Italy. Um, you know, they were always at the gate, so to speak, ad porta. Uh, but The, the army began to take on a different personality too, and there were lots of conscripts, recruits from these other cultures that had been absorbed into mm-hmm. Rome. Or so there's, there's really no, there's there's the the small core of Romanness, if you will, culturally, socially, politically, uh, but it's no longer the Rome. Let's say the Rome of third century A.D. is certainly not the Rome of third century, the third century uh, B.C. as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, well, let so, me ask. Let me ask you something. Um, you, you mentioned about the the, the military. Uh, when our military was cutting and running in Afghanistan, they made sure that they got the LGBT flag down from the embassy before they got Americans out. Would you say that's messed up? Yes. I would say that that's putting it mildly. Yes, it's incredibly messed up. And you know, I heard I heard a a, a, a commercial today. Uh, uh, t- it's called tow- uh, for towers for vets. I think that's where this group is actually buying, trying to get people to 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 buy houses. Private people are buying houses for veterans 
and Gold Star families versus, say, the government giving our money away to people that did not spill one iota of blood on this country. But it's, it's towers to something. I can't remember the name. But in, in it, it says, um, we are Americans. We are our military. We never leave somebody behind is our creed. And I'm thinking, well, I know that's true, but doesn't that include American citizens? Because you left a hell of a lot of people behind. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan made, made Saigon look like a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, it, it, it was, it's a travesty beyond the pill, and this administration should, should be completely ashamed of itself. Um, it's just, there's just not a, a, a whole lot, there's really not anything good that could be, can be said about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see Joey, Joey Splats in the live chat. He got that right out. Towers to tunnels. But I, And the reason I brought that up is because they, you know, they're saying, we never leave anybody behind. I'm thinking, are they going to have to rewrite that? You know, we leave some people behind, or we'll only leave behind the people that the commander in chief tells us to leave behind. How about that? That might be a more true thing. You know, I would like to see, I would have liked to have seen some uh, American soldiers lose lose their commissions, I mean, and get kicked out of the military in an effort, a valiant effort to save Americans against uh, the orders because the the orders came down not to allow people to come to to come through the gate. American citizens waving passports. It came down. They you know they, it just like Benghazi is what it, Benghazi on steroids. They they were given a stand down order. I don't and they had to and you know there's actually text emails Judd between some of the soldiers saying I can't believe it they're telling us just to get away from the fence you know and, and they know, won't give us any ammunition. They had, they had a defensible air airport. You know, at the at the last minute, they were all they were scrambling to get to um, what was it, Kabul, uh, and you know they got these orders from the State Department about basically just you know try and make it to the airport and we'll get you out at however you can. They had a defensible air station at uh, what was it, Bagram Air, air Force mm-hmm. Base, right. and they just gave that up with all the other you know military hardware that that we left behind. You know, and there's even there's a parallel to this in, in Roman history too, because you've got you've got a lot of top brass uh, in the army whose whose aspirations are more political than they are military, mm-hmm. and have less to do with the the defense of the Roman way than it does with their their own ambitions. Well, I, I read I read I read that the tally Bidens are now maybe the eighth or ninth best equipped army in the world. Because of because of Joe Talley Biden. All right, let's get to some questions for you, uh, uh, Doctor Judd. This is from Doreen. She says, uh, Doctor, are we going to get hit in the head by Planet X, and that's why all the governments are going crazy? Now, I agree with with this 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 writer here, Doreen here, because it seems there's a worldwide effort to coordinate this lockdown to bring everybody under some sort of martial law edict to change everyone's way of life all across the country, although I don't think that's happening in China or Russia, seems just to be the Western democracy type countries. But is there, you, do you think that there, there may be a known thing that's coming that will require this to be in place in advance to something? That's a possibility. I mean, you know, there are several operations around the world, uh, including a Vatican operation, uh, charting the heavens for these rogue uh, planetoids. Um, that's possible. Um, 
But usually when uh, uh, Planet X is brought up, I think that it, there, there should be a differentiation between Planet X and the so-called Nibiru stuff of, of the Zechariah Sitchin material. Uh, a, lot, a lot of that confusion can be ascribed to the fact that Sitchin really didn't know what he was talking about in terms of Sumerian cuneiform. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he clearly couldn't read because he was making mistakes that a first-year cuneiform uh, student would make. Um, uh, back to... The Nibiru is usually the designation that he he said meant this so-called Planet X. But if he had a better understanding of the language and Babylonian astrology, he'd know that every time it's referenced, uh, Nibiru means uh, Marduk star or Jupiter. But, again, I, I say that just as a qualifier. That's not to say that there may not be some rogue asteroid or planetoid that, that's headed our way that's trying to be kept hush-hush. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it, 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 that does make some sense about some kind of coordination, some coordinated effort against the the free peoples of the planet. And so I, I think we should just kind of keep an eye on, on that there. All right, so we got this here. Rose says, um, uh, Doctor, what does the what do you think about the global reset created by the World Economic Forum? And I just happened to buy past, go past that website the other day, and it's talking about. It, I mean, this 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 reset website says. This virus is great. It's given us all the tools we need for this global reset. She says, is it to bring the new world order in an engineered and timed scenario on purpose? Is this all engineered? I think so. I mean, I think it's, it's when you look at the, the individual pieces, I think it's inevitably the conclusion that you have to come to because, um, you know, all, all of these outfits that are basically if you think about them as subsidiaries of a big corporation. Well, a corporation is the Illuminati, whatever appellation you want to throw onto it. But whether it's the Trilateral Commission or the Council on Foreign Relations or the World Economic Forum or Davos or <laughs> or any, you know, any of these things, then yeah. Um, I, I think that's inevitably the conclusion that you have to come, come to because they all think that that, you know, most of humanity needs to be thrown away with. They're all a bunch of eugenicists. Mm-hmm. They think that they're better than the rest of us. It uh, might as well be a flyover world as far as they're concerned. Back to the uh, the Roman comparison. Uh, didn't didn't Romans start going into uh, child sex things like with boys and stuff? I mean, because there well, that, that comparison sure goes around right now. You got your Barney Franks of the world running around and. Uh, uh, Epstein and everybody else running around with little little kids, little girl. You got uh, Joe Tally Biden sniffing little girl's hair every chance he gets. Every time he sees a child, he goes running for some ice cream. Sends here candy, little girl, man. This is supposed to be the president of the United States, and all he's doing is chasing little girls, man. So I mean, that sure seems like a Roman comparison right there. Well, that, and that speaks to the first thing that Gibbon talks about. You know, the the internal issues that Rome begins to have. You know, and if it, you know. The picture of, of Roman virtue in movies, you know, like if you watch Gladiator or, you know, any handful of the, the Eagle or Centurion, any a handful of, of movies about ancient Rome that have been made, you'd think that it was just, you know, the Romans were completely debauched and it was just sex and violence all the time. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Roman family was a very 
important part of the Roman state and, and Roman tradition. And in fact, on a local level, um, where they would enforce the laws, you know, adultery was a very serious crime. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you could be killed for it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not to say that there wasn't this jaded, debauched underbelly of Roman society that practiced some of the mm -hmm. things that you're talking about, you know, yeah. pedophilia, all kinds of sexual perversion. Um, and you, like found a, a, you found a lot of those those monsters uh, amongst the Roman elite, uh, amongst the politicians and the, the people that could afford the, you know, the the, the what is it, the idle rich are, are hard to entertain or. Mm -hmm. They're always looking for some sort of diversion. And the problem is that this sort of looking for the extra diversion bled over into the rest of society, too, um, so that you had, you know, people wanted, the, the saying in Rome, in terms of the critique of the time, was everybody wanted their bread and circus, their pawn at circus. In other words, the free handouts that they would get at the gladiatorial competitions, and then these violent, you know, death matches they would play out in front of them uh, these blood sports that people would watch just just for entertainment. Mm -hmm. uh, began to undermine, you know, the Roman morality essentially, and so you've got this breakdown uh, from within. Mm -hmm. now, now, all all of the hallmarks are, are like what you're talking about: the sexual debauchery, the, the mm -hmm. blood sport watching. Um, the, the degradation of, of the Roman family virtues, all, all of these play a part, at least on the cultural and social level. Mm -hmm. Now, you're, you're a, a history major there. Um, it was a, in relation to time, was, where was Pompeii? Was it about the same time? Was it bef before the destruction of Pompeii, before or after the Roman uh, collapse? It's, this is before. Um, Pompeii is... Um, First century AD. So this is before um, you're, you're referring to the, the eruption of Vesuvius that, that destroyed, that destroyed the, Pompeii. Yeah, was that before or after the collapse of Rome? It's before. Yeah, this before. is. It's actually not. It's first century AD, so it's you know barely a hundred years have passed basically. Mm -hmm. um, I, I saw some special on Pompeii, and they they were panning through there, and they. They, they said that there were rooms or open areas like with a flat slab there which they said were sex areas so so you were just walking down the street and you would just go in there open air and, and you just have sex right there in the street yeah I, well and of course they, that those are things that would have been in a, a certain part of town as well because there was at least there was at least some of the Roman modesty left at that point, point in time to where it was sort of compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. But, you know, clearly these sorts of things went on because not only do we have archaeological remnants of that sort of thing, but, you know, the, the Romans had pornography too, and they scrawled it all over the, the walls of these, the insides mm -hmm. of these. Things. Well, looking, looking at the, the, the wall paintings at Pompeii, man, they didn't need Viagra then, man. They had some kind of something, some kind of other something else going on over there that that, that kind of did some magnification. All right, we got this here. It says uh, from Leon says, uh, didn't Rome just continue under the guise of the Roman Catholic Church? Well, this is what I used to tell my students: is you have to keep in mind that when you know in in eighty four seventy six, it's really only the Western Empire that falls 
to the you know the Germanic tribes, the Gauls, Vandals, all, all the tri- the Goths, all the tribes that invaded Rome. The East Empire basically stays intact and and survives as the Byzantine Empire. And in the East, in fact, they continue to call themselves Romans until about the 11th century A.D. Um, so there are a lot of things that are that survive in the East, but there are a lot of things that survive in the West too. A lot of the Roman influences and Roman infrastructure w- was was adopted. Um, the languages that sprouted out of Europe at the time were combinations of Latin and the local indigenous languages, and they became the Romance languages of Europe, like Spanish and Italian and Portuguese mm-hmm. and French. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when you're, when, you're, when you're talking about, we're back to the Roman com- comparison, um, uh, if, if this is true about just turning into the Catholic Church, they seem to got their penchant for little boys just kind of went right on through there. So it sounds to me they come right out of, the, right, right out of Rome, man. Right, exactly. You know, and occasionally that stuff would, you know, in, in earlier centuries, it would creep to the top in the form of, you know, an occasional cardinal. Or sometimes you'd have a, a pope like Cesare Borgia who was just completely debauched. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that element of it does seem to have survived, um, you know, unfortunately, not a knock against people who practice Roman Catholicism, but the, the church. Well, there's good people in the Catholic Church, for sure. Yeah. But those guys uh, running around, them, those guys running around in robes, man. Yeah. Something wrong. Something, something nasty yeah. down there. Clearly, clearly, and you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, ancient mystery symbolism is preserved in, in the Vatican and, and by proxy Roman Catholicism. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are definitely elements of, of all, you know, all kinds of things Roman that survive under the umbrella of the Roman Catholic Church. But there are other things that survive in the West. That are Roman as well. A lot of the old forts that the Romans built were repurposed as castles mm-hmm. in the Dark Ages. Uh, you know, I pointed out the uh, the languages that were influenced. Um, well, let me ask some. Let me ask some, Jed. Was it the Caesars or the Senate that was more likely to have caused the liberalization of Rome, accelerating its downfall? Was it more from the edicts of the Caesars or from the Senate? Well, it, again, it depends on which period you're talking about. Um, we're talking about the, we're talking about just before the demise of Rome. What precipitated? Who was in yeah. control, and what? Who was making the rules to cause that to happen? Well, it was a combination. I, I mean, by that time, you can't really whittle it down to what's going on just in Rome proper. You know, you've got all these these proconsuls and governors uh, that have their own agendas that are that are that are setting a lot of um, you know they're enforcing a lot of Roman edicts, things like that, but they're also setting their own, you know, their own rules for their own agenda. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, of the Senate um, being uh, responsible for part of this this downplay, well, yeah, I mean, um, but but it also has to do with the it also has a lot to do that responsibility that burden rests on the shoulders of whoever happened to be the emperor at the time as well because they really couldn't do one without the other um, not some some emperors you know in the first century AD you get some decent 
Thanks. Well, let me let me ask something, Judd. I'm trying to get a little bit of clarification. Did did the Caesars, so to speak, say free sex for everyone, kids, whatever, animals, whatever you want, or was it this, uh, the Senate making laws? Who who was? I'm mean, talking from the sexual angle, but that's not the only angle we'll talk about. That was a big one, the debauchery, as we, you mentioned earlier. Were they making laws to appease the people, and then once it was released, they couldn't stop it, and it turned into chaos and dissolved, well, Rome fell? Since when have politicians had to, had to make laws for those things to happen? Okay, <laughs> touche, good point, good good point. That's, I mean, that's really kind of, you know, I mean, they didn't need to make laws. They were going to do it anyway because they, they put themselves above the law. Well, for instance, didn't the games, uh, the, the Coliseum games, the people wanted blood, and didn't Caesar use that as a distraction for his failed policies? So that's what I'm thinking. Did they use that type of thing? Of course. Multiple Caesars did. Uh, that was a tactic. Um, it, served, it served multiple purposes. It, it, it kept the it kept the populace manipulable and manageable because, like I said, they handed out freebies, most notably bread, mm -hmm. uh, and the circus <clears throat> part. Where you know, not like a like we would think of a circus, but just the spectacle. You know, the blood sport and all of the the exotic animals that they would bring in. You know, to kill people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it kept them distracted. It, it could keep them distracted from their bad policies. Or it could serve other purposes towards, you know, make, making the people, you know, think about, oh, well, how great, you know, so-and-so Caesar is right now. Yeah. You know, look at all the stuff he's given us. And they would they would follow in line. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and take a look at our poll. We have a poll on the Edge's website. Hopefully everybody's taken. If you've not taken the Edge poll, there's two of them there. Uh, the first one has to do with the guest. says, America will fall because, and your choices are, it's just like Rome was. Terrorists will attack within. Democrats will destroy it. America is biblical Babylon. Uh, apes will rise up. I guess Planet of the Apes could happen. I mean, I'm I'm seeing it. Uh, a virus will kill everyone, or Planet X will smash into it. Let's check our results there, Doctor. And right now, uh, the number one poll result for the America will fall because it says Democrats will destroy it. And the second one is uh, to you. It's just like Rome was. So, 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 Doctor, 46% say the Democrats will destroy it. 19.23% says it's just like Rome. So it's your job by the end of this broadcast to, to, <laughs> to get that up. Convince everybody that it, it, it's the other one. Yeah, get, get right, a few more right. points on the poll. Right, you, you, you want to... You it's, it's your. Go ahead. No, it's your, it's your job to get that poll in, uh, up in your favor. I know. But I'll tell you what, we have another poll. Let's take a look at the other poll. Uh, which best represents our military leaders? And your choices is Barney Fife, Gomer Pyle, or Kim Jong-un. Let's see what we got. And it looks like Barney Fife. It looks like, uh, uh, Dr. Judd, uh, people believe that we got a bunch of Barney Fifes running our military. And, what it sure seems like it, doesn't it? Yes, it does, unfortunately. They've become... Uh they, they become like the Grand Moffs in Star Wars. They're all. I mean, if you if you were to pose that question you talked about earlier, about the withdrawal. Okay, so we're supposed to have we've got a seven. We give the military industrial complex seven hundred and fifty billion dollars a year. Okay, nobody knows where most that money goes. Yeah, because it's all discretionary. It's discretionary. It probably funnels back into DNC somehow. But we we pay them to have the best equipment and the best technology to know everything about everybody. But somehow they didn't know that the Taliban was going to take over as soon as, soon as they left. They didn't know that. Um, and then, uh, but if you were to pose the question, 
to a little child and say, hey, there's a fence over here, and in that fence, uh, there's a doggy. And, and near that doggy are, are piles of cash and dog food and uh, dog toys and, and, and all kinds. There's a Netflix subscription, everything in there. Now, you would say, we're gonna, we, we need to leave. We need to get out of there. Should we just take the doggy or should we take the other items with it? Now, the kid would tell you, no, we want to get all those other items too. And obviously, the comparison being, uh, we have $80 billion worth of equipment over there and we have 20,000 Americans over there. Maybe we should, I mean, a child could figure out what had to be done in what order, but our military commanders were evidently ordered to stand down or they're so stupid and so woke, and probably both, and obedient to to a commander-in-chief who's never been in the military um, and keeps talking about his dead son who was banging his, his other brother's wife. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know, man. Um, but anybody could figure that out. They didn't want to. This was, it was a pre-planned apocalypse withdrawal. Absolutely, because, because you know, China is one of Afghanistan's neighbors. Um, they've already got uh, uh, vested interest in rare earth minerals in Afghanistan. Um so who do you think the Taliban is going to pass some of that hardware on to? Mm -hmm. They'll reverse engineer all that stuff. That's part of the that's part of the real danger. Oh, oh I got a, I got a further I got because my comparison I love I love my my comparison because I'm so brilliant. Hang on okay. for a second. Let me. I, okay, there we go. That's why I'm so brilliant. Uh, <clears throat> so you tell the little kid, hey, there's a doggy in there, and he got all this other good stuff around there. You got ice cream over there. Uh, you got. Uh, you know, you got dog treats, you got uh, cartoons in there, but there's an angry dog that's heading this way. So we can take that stuff with us. We we can get the doggy and that stuff, or we can just get the doggy. And then by the time that angry killer dog with the big fangs and and dripping spit goes into there, then we'd have to go back in and get it. But he'll be in there. So what what should you do before or yeah. after? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm done. Go ahead. I'm done. No, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. It's just basic logic. Uh, and it, it explains why you can't take the the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan uh, at face value. You know, there's a transnational picture here uh, that goes just beyond you know a a, a, a perceived bungle. You know, and it it, it, mm -hmm. it it costs American lives. It was a bungle on the one hand, but it was a premeditated, planned bungle. Mm -hmm. And that's Absolutely. You know, like I said, the, the danger here is that you know China will inevitably, you know, they may already have their hands on it. They mm -hmm. they may have already brokered the deal for every scrap of silver, silver and lithium, and God knows what else is available. <laughs> in right. And I mean, uh, the the opium trade—that's the heart heart of the you know the opium trade too. So. Should we thank uh, China for all the fentanyl they're sending over here through the southern border? Should we exactly. give a big old thank you? I was you? Just, about, just about to say that, yeah. Um, the, yeah, there's a, yeah. China has nothing to do with that, absolutely. Well, and it's interestingly enough, you know, opium was well known in the Roman Empire, too, and it was one of the vices of the time. So haven't we come full circle? It's, it's freaky stuff out there. Another question. Smoke C says, Doctor, didn't the Roman Empire just relocate the green land, uh, or did it just morph into the Jesuit order? And I don't like no Jesuits, for one thing. Say again? I don't like Jesuits. I don't know who they are. I don't like them. 
Well, the as to the first the first question, um, you could say that, like I say, elements of Rome survived. You know that that ancient mystery school that was preserved in in Rome survived, obviously, and it became the mul- multiple secret societies of Europe, and then of course all around the world. So there's always that 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 element, you know, like a hydra's head. You chop off a hydra and hydra's head, and two more sprout out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that sort of for, force multiplier survivability. Um, so yeah, there are definitely elements that survived. Were the Jesuits part of that? Um, probably, yeah. And I think that they, they they may in fact still be because the Society of Jesus was founded by Ignatius Loyola during the early Protestant Reformation era. It was a it it was a reaction to the Protestant Reformation, because of course the Roman Catholic Church saw this as you know straight out of the pits of hell and it needed to be combated. Loyola was an ex-general, Spanish general, so he even ordered the Jesuit order after he had this this epiphany, this revelation, and petitioned Rome, the Pope, for a charter. Gave it to him, and he structures this thing militarily and, and fashions it as kind of the ar- army of God on Earth. Um, so the, the the rank there are various ranks within the Jesuit order. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're, fact, they, they were at the forefront of what became known as the Counter Reformation to put down what mm-hmm. the Roman Catholic okay. Church saw well, well, as Okay, so we're we're talking about the, uh, a comparison of how Rome fell versus where America is, and is, are there similarities? But what about in the Bible when it talks about uh, the great Babylon, the whore, the harlot of whores, and and uh, you know saying I saw a, a city and its fall was you know it, it sold its delicacies around the world and and great was the fall of it and people I mean a lot of people say that was New York or it's just the United States in general are we more like the great whore of Babylon or are we more like Rome or are we some kind of hybrid mix of the two creatures? Well, I. I... I think that that you know most grounded Bible scholars and I would say that Babylon in Revelation represents this world system. We might call it the New World Order or the Illuminati today, uh, but it's the same. It's basically the same thing. It's this world system that controls every aspect of everybody's life, is oppressive, tyrannical, uh, satanic. Okay. So I think it's it's if you think about a headquarters over time and space being in different places, I think that it's been in different places during different parts of history. So it begins in in the ancient Near East, in Mesopotamia, in Egypt. Well, I, I'm not sure where you're going with that because my, my question was a little bit simpler than your answer. Being being the analytical mind that you got there, I'm just a simple cowboy. Um, are we more like Babylon? Or are we more like Rome? I think the answer to that is yes. We're we're more like we're we're like both. Again, sort of going back to this this world system. I, yeah, I just said that. Uh, the uh, uh, this world system is representative of that. So I think that there there are elements of of Babylon and Rome uh, in in America, and I don't I don't think that it's a case really can't logically be made for. Or blaming the founding fathers. That's not to say that there weren't necessarily illuminized individuals involved in the, in the revolution, but you had people like George Washington who wrote against and warned about the Illuminati and the Jacobins 
Um, so there were people that were fighting it too. It's more the artists and policymakers and architects and um, uh, politicians, people that laid out Washington D.C. and basically turned the founding fathers into gods, mm-hmm. which they themselves would have scoffed at. Um, is people like Lunfont, who was a, a, a Mason, uh, Illuminized Mason at that, who, who helped lay out uh, the occult symbolism in the city of Washington. Okay, all right, let's get let's get to another question for you, Doctor. It, this is from Put Yahweh first. Um, is Rome the mother of all abominations? That's a good question. Um, again, I think I think that 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 may change. Uh, with time now, not maybe not necessarily ancient Rome, but modern Rome, in, in particular mm-hmm. the Vatican. That mm-hmm. that could be. I could see that as a, a likely scenario. You know, I don't like the Vatican. Uh, I don't know who these people are, but don't they got some kind of underground thing with like tons of gold and ancient art that they've stolen throughout the years? Well, I'm. This, uh, they would say that they curate it. They uh, want everybody else to tear their walls down, but they got a forty-footer surrounded by five thousand CCC cameras. And you can't you can't get in unless you. They got their own army. You know, uh, I don't know. I, and they're they're carrying guns, doctor. I mean, is some we got some kind of farce going on over there? Where's their belief in God's going to protect them? Sounds to me like they got their own army, and they ain't no such thing as. And in their mind, they probably maybe discovered that that uh, they. Or over the years, they lost the idea that Jesus really existed, and so they come up with just a, a money-making scheme. Well, that's entirely possible too. Um, it, and what's with the little boys all the time singing, man? Can any little girls sing over there? All these little—I mean, what's that all about? That's freaky. Nobody wants to hear that. All right, well, all right. Got another question for you. This is from Australian Ben. Says Doctor okay. Doctor Burton. Uh, societal norms which took place during the days of Noah are a map of the future for the end times according to the book of Revelation. What's your view, Doctor? Well, and also the book of Matthew when Jesus says that the, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall be the coming time of the coming of the Son of Man. Yeah, that's an accurate statement. And, and gosh, we sure give our prayers to people in Australia right now. They're having... They're, they're getting their... their, their uh, yeah, I, the latest the latest outrage I'm, the, the latest outrage I read on the Australian I know we've got some Australian listeners or watchers viewers, but they got these camps that they'll put you in these quarantine camps, but they'll only let you have so much beer, mm-hmm. and then they go through your stuff. If somebody tries to send you beer in there and, you, and it goes over cold, they will take it. Now that's a freaking lockdown that the cowboy don't go with. I'll bust out of that place right there if somebody go cut my beer my beer quota down. Yeah, uh, red-blooded Americans. I don't think would stand for that. <laughs> now here's the thing. Now, I, I uh, to me when I when I think Australia, I just think it's a look. There's McDonald's there, okay? I, they used to be just like America, as far as I could tell, but yeah. they got tricked with a few cases. There were some coincidental shootings, mass shootings, and everybody's running around saying we gotta give up the guns. So they did. Um, is America likely to give up guns up too? Now, some people are su- suggesting that now that the government two weeks ago said that it's illegal for the government to mandate a jab, all of a sudden it's legal because they said so. Um, but if they can they can compel your body to be injected with something and then they can take your guns, who cares about the Constitution? Uh, do you think Americans would resist the gun confiscation like 
or we'd be like an Australian saying, well, we got to obey law. we got to do our part. My, my assessment of the situation is that they've, they've skipped over the, uh, the gun issue. They, they know that they can't change the American mind on that issue, and so they, they're doing it with you know, medical tyranny rather than you know, tyranny of property. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Australia, we have this question from Peter from Australia. It says, uh, Doctor, I heard that Texas can't, can't legally secede from the U.S. despite their history of independence. Apparently, Texas can only split itself into five new states, but not split from the U.S. itself. Is that true, being That's a Texan? Correct. Yeah, according to the, both the agreement made in the late 1840s and our own constitution, we can, be, we can divide into five additional states. Now, that leaves all kind of loop, all kinds of loopholes about, you know, well, what what if there are measures for those five states to come back together after they disband? Mm-hmm. What what is the issue right there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do know that the, the west counties or the east counties of Oregon are wanting to secede to Idaho because they want the freedom back. Uh, is that possible? Is that legal? Well, not to my knowledge. Of course, I'm not familiar with the constitutions of either one of those states. Um, and this, this sort of gets us bogged down into, uh, not necessarily bogged down, it's a valuable conversation to have. Are we a union of voluntary, you know, willing participants, or are we being compelled um, by... Well, it's, we're, about as, we're, about as voluntary, we're about as voluntary as the tax code. Try, yeah, exactly. try not volunteering your tax your taxes. Exactly. You do want to volunteer, don't you? It's kind of like a jab. You do, you know. It says it says they've been telling us consult your doctor, and uh-huh. then and then uh, about the jab, and then get the jab. But what they're really saying is consult your doctor all you want to. You're getting the jab. Yeah. Let me just give and up on that. With, with Biden's uh, announcement the other day about you know these businesses, if you've got a hundred people or more. Um, then you have, you've got a, I think it, what is it? It's federal, it's federal organizations and businesses that have over a hundred employees are ha- having to do this stuff now. Um, which on one hand is, should be impetus for people to start, you know, small businesses, you know, as a measure of not that you would start a business necessarily to combat all this, mm-hmm. but um, that that's a rallying point you know, for people against all this, but um, the the danger in all of this, you know, outside of, of the medical ramifications, what it actually could do to you is, in my mind, it's the secondary consideration because what's being built up around all of this is the infrastructure of tyranny. Um, it's, you know, I've had people ask me if I think that this is the mark of the beast. Well, I no, I don't think that this injection necessarily is. But look at the infrastructure that's being built around mm-hmm. that, that you have to you have to show the show your vaccine card before you can buy a ranch at the hardware store or eat at a restaurant or go see a movie or get gas at a gas station. You can, I mean, you can you if you think about this logically. You can see that there, there's there's really no way when you lay all the pieces out that you can't see that unless 
Satan's pulling the wool over your eyes. Which well, is that's really, you're right. It's, that's a good point there, Doctor, that it's an infrastructure, which means uh, you got to get the jab, you got to get your passport. Then it's going right. to be, uh-oh, got a phone notification, uh, time for the second jab, uh-oh, time for your daily your daily dose, uh-oh, time for your third jab. It's not it's not just going to be take it and you're you're free. It's like take it and that's the first thing we want you to do. Now, by, by the way, we think that you drive too much. So we're going to raise the gas prices. So you're not going to drive as much. And then we're going to tax you. So we'll control you. And by the way, you're using too much energy at your house. And uh, you're going to have to start turning your AC off. And, and then, by the way, uh, because now that we've killed fossil fuel off, uh, there's going to be brownouts like California. And now you're going to have to cut power and uh, your refrigerator is going to go bad. I mean, so you can see that infrastructure is just, it's, it keeps on going. But what's the end game? Is it is it the dedicated uh, uh, crashing of America? And what's what happened to Rome? How would America look if if what happened to Rome happens to us? Well, there, there are two possibilities that I see, and this speaks to the, the kinds of divisions that happened in the third century. You know, the big one was the the splitting of, of the empire into the east and the west. And as, as I pointed out, it's the West that crumbles and, and disintegrates. Um, the East stays intact. And so I see two trajectories. If if we don't wake up and, and point out that a lot, a lot of this stuff is wrong, and that's just on the secular level, then we're going to go the way of the Western Empire. Mm-hmm. Because of all, all of the things that are happening, all the that refugees were taken in, the border crisis, uh, hyperinflation that's looming on the, the horizon, um, just the whole mess of it, the, the infrastructure around the, the, the vaccination. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if we do wake up and we do have that great awakening, and I think revival is part of it, has to be part of that, and we are starting to see those fires burning, then we stand a good chance. We, we will be a different America, but we'll still be America. We stand a good chance of going the way of the Byzantine Empire, the Eastern Empire, surviving for another thousand years. Hmm. Okay, well, I think you're just offering some hope. Um, Truth and Treasure says, Doctor, wasn't George Washington a Mason? And that I know that he was a Grand Master Mason. Uh, is, is that in and of itself a bad thing? I mean, you know, he just joined a local club. I mean... Well, here's the thing about Washington, and I've spoken pretty extensively about this. Um... Washington was a master mason. That's not even a high-ranking mason. He was a third-degree mason. So there's there's 32, 33 degrees in masonry. He had the third one. We only have documented evidence of Washington ever attending four meetings at lodges. Why? Because he spent the better part of his life dealing with other people's problems, big national security, other people's kinds of problems. Whether he was a young man in the French and Indian War, he got a few years of respite after that to go back to Mount Vernon and, and, and pay off some debts. But before you know it, he's commander-in-chief again uh, of the Army, and then he's the, the first president. And two years after he's out of office, he, for three years, he passes away. Um, Plus, Washington, there's a good case to be made that Washington was a very devout Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have his prayer book. We have, we have um, accounts from other people about his faith. And 
you know, one of the big criticisms about Washington is that, that he did not regularly take communion, although he regularly attended church. Mm-hmm. I think that this can be explained by an understanding of Washington's character because his his his, his, his outer comportment and how he how he appeared to people, his own integrity very important to him. I think he took Paul's uh, uh, admonition to heart, you know, examine yourself before you take communion. If you feel like there's something between well, you and God, well, grand, get it grand, out of the way. Grand Poobal, Grand Poobal Mason or not, I gotta like him because the left hates him. But let me ask you something, uh, Mr. History Professor. Uh, was it George Washington or Abraham Lincoln that said, "Don't bury me for three days," and 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 the the reasoning was that either whichever one believed that they might rise from the dead. Um, I think that that was Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Um, okay. That, I'm, I was kind of thinking it was Lincoln too. Yeah, yeah. Washington was buried at, at Mount Vernon. They now the 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 Illuminized wackos I was talking about wanted to bury him uh, in Roman fashion in the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's with all the uh, the the weird paintings uh, in in the uh, in the Capitol dome and stuff like that? Was are those just is it artsy, artsy stuff, or is that symbolism to conjure up something from some evil, one-eyed Horus demon? Well, no. I mean, they they represent the, the what the Greeks would have called cosmic Horus. Um, you know, and of course Washington is actually, you know, this is what I'm talking about. They totally used him after he died. You know, as a propaganda tool for the Illuminati. He's even positioned seated like the statue of Saturn that used to be on the Capitoline Hill and he's even draped with uh, the, the purple robe that they would put on this statue of Saturn um, but the uh, there's all kinds of occult function and symbolism um, the, the rotunda in uh, the dome in the Capitol building is, is also known as the womb of Isis and so you've got the, the sacred feminine and then you have the Washington Monument, which which is a phallic symbol, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's a whole ritual laid out just in that part of the Capitol alone. Mm-hmm. Now that phallic symbol is, is that supposed to be impregnating somebody? Yeah, it's a divine conception. Mm. Yeah. Well, by the way, those we've got some people joining the the chat. I didn't get to Australian Ben, Randy Hill, Bill W, Teflon Coat. Uh, Cool Wade Guy, James, Robert Griffin, Tammy Hall, Vincent Placenthal, and Believe 3.0 all join us additionally in the live chat. Well, Doctor, so there's a lot of symbology going on, and so we got we got the big old giant phallic symbol impregnating the, the White House, or, or who? Well, it, it, in a general sense, the dome represents this, the sacred feminine. Um, that could, you know, there, there's a, there could be a lot of potential, you know, horror Babylon symbolism there too mm-hmm. 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 Um, but the, the thing to keep in mind I'm sure that that's part of what the Illuminists have planned the thing to keep in mind is that it represents the, the, the reproductive system of a female and the obelisk mm-hmm. across the, the way well, once this impregnation gets, gets about the business of impregnating what's going to be born what's coming out well, there, there again. There are some scholars that posit that it's, and, and prophecy experts posit posit that it would be no less than the Antichrist. 
whoa, the Antichrist. Whoo, he gonna come out of there? But uh, whatever happened to back in the 80s when the Christian churches all said that the, the Antichrist was going to be one of the 10 kings, one of the 10 countries, and now the 10 countries are 20, I wonder if, if anybody's came back and said, oops, we were wrong. Uh, well, I, I know that... Um, I, yeah, I was just taking a shot. Well, no, I think people, even like people like Hal Lindsey, you know, who's, who, you know, his book, The Late Great Planet Earth, sort of kicked off the... The, the closer attention to biblical prophecy in recent decades, um, you know, even he's had to backtrack, you know, some of what he was, you know, mm-hmm. prognosticating in that book because the geopolitical situation on the planet is just, it's just different. Well, where, where is this stupid Planet X? Okay, I want to see this thing. Everybody's saying it's a, a double helix, uh, uh, whatever, double planetoid, whatever, hide behind somewhere, flying through here. I, I ain't seen it. Where, where's it at? I don't know. I, that's completely out of my wheelhouse. Well, they keep saying every every every, every time somebody talks about it, it's like it's a couple more years off. Then when it gets close, to, I mean, I, I'm not going to see it. Okay, I, I guess it's really depressing. Uh, uh, DS Shot says I forgot him in the live chat. There you go. All right, Australian, uh-huh. Australian Ben says, Doctor, in Revelation 18:2, a mighty voice cried out, "Fallen, fallen, Babylon has fallen." Is this referencing the United States or is Babylon the modern world system of corrupted governance and I think we kind of went over that but to, to clarify it sure sounds like America well again I think in a general sense it is that world system but again if the HQ is Washington DC then I could I very well have ramifications for America mm-hmm. uh, is the next election going to be rigged well uh, that's that's a great question um I think if the last election is any indication, there are going to be all kinds of, of questions of legitimacy. Right, right. I, yeah. The, the magically appearing ballots and then the disappearing ballots. I mean, it's pretty interesting um, outcome on that one there. But uh, now I'm wondering, did the Romans rig elections? Did the Caesar always rig elections? I mean, it's something like Kim Jong-un. You know, people like this, when they get 99% of vote and it sounds like they were getting their elections. So maybe we took some lessons from them, but did in Rome, did they rig elections too? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there are all kinds of uh, political machine party politics, you know, gangs of New York style control of huge blocks of votes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our own, uh, that kind of stuff of course still goes on in, in the United States too. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, you need a little one horse town, one sheriff town. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't just Tammany Hall. I mean, that, that's been civilizations, you know, all all over. Yeah, you got your boss hogs everywhere. Um, so if if you could go back in time, would you rather go back to Roman times during its peak days, or or in America in its present days? Well, as a historian. If I could jump in a time machine, sort of Star Trek style, I think that that would be an interesting trip. Um, but I also feel like, you know, we were made for such a time as this. Uh, you know, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy to be outspoken about what I'm outspoken about during a time like this. So mm-hmm. I'd rather be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, where is the timeline? Where is America at right now? How, how much time we got left? Well, again, that's. I'm not a prophet, nor am I the, the son of a prophet, but I am a historian, and I think that that's given me some tools to sort of prognosticate, at the mm-hmm. very least. 
what our, our general trajectory might be. Now, I, I, it's really without question, should be beyond dispute that the prophetic clock is ticking. Um, you know, with everything that's happened, you know, in the past 100 years particularly, it just seems, you know, we're, we're at the 11th hour, you know. Well, now that's a good question. Somebody just said three months. So I'm going to I'm going to put this question out to the people watching the show. How much time does America have before she falls? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and put it in the live chat, everybody. Just simple verbiage, and we'll read them off as they come in. All right, so we're going we're going to take the pulse here of the viewers here. Somebody said between 2026 and 2033. I would say in the next hundred years, uh, that should cover it. Um, that way, I'll have to keep advancing the uh, thing. And while we're waiting, let's see, uh, doctor, if we've moved that poll, if you've moved the poll, convinced anybody that in fact. It is, we are like Rome, and uh, we got, uh, somebody said we ran out of time November 3rd, <clears throat> Tammy Hall says six, Truth and Treasure says one month, nope, the, uh, the just like the fall of America, just like Rome is still where it's at, doctor, <clears throat> we got 2025, people are speculating when, when America's done, uh, Robert Griffin says nine years, 2030, well, I like, I like the, that sounds really good, and even 2030, um, Tammy Hall says six months. That's the second vote, really, for six months. Let's see what else we got here. All right, people, how how much time do we got? And you're you can all be prophets now. And when it happens, I can go back through the the chat logs and find out who's who's the the correct prophet there. So, doctor, we've got uh, we've got the military, like you said, just like Rome. We got debauchery, just like Rome. Um, we got civil unrest. We got barbarians being trucked in. We got them being piped in, flown in, drug in, shipped in. Uh, how many more? Compa- how many more of these topics of Rome are there that we compare to them? Well, I mean, we've we've hit the major ones. I mean, you you've encompassed the the, the five that I was talking about. Probably the one that we haven't gotten into um, in any great detail is the, the economic. Uh, issue, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, and that's part of that crisis of the third century that scholars have written about for the last uh, 50 or 60 years. Peter Brown wrote wrote a really good. People want to read into it. Uh, Peter Brown wrote a really good book called The Making of Late Antiquity that I would highly recommend. Just a little like hundred page book, um, but the uh, the crisis. Um, was an economic crisis again? It all it all has to do with how big Rome was an empire. It wasn't just it wasn't just on the Italian peninsula at this point. Uh, it was it was all the way from Britain to India, east you know west to east, and then from the Germanic lands down to almost sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, I mean, it was this immense behemoth of of a thing, and this. This contributed to all kinds of um, hyperinflation, overtaxation. There was a huge labor deficit mm-hmm. uh, uh, during this time. Well, there we, was a, a, a um, you know, there wasn't a standard, you know. I mean, there were, you know, salari. There really wasn't a standard currency. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me talk to you about that point here. By the way, we have uh, Teflon Coat says we have 20 years left. Life Station Life Station Express says we have five years left. 
uh, Tammy Hall, I think she, hey, that's two votes there. She says it's already gone. But let me ask you something. We talked about uh, earlier in the first hour, Doctor, you, you were talking about uh, uh, we don't have any more bobbles to give all these people that were trucking in here by the hundreds of thousands. But the money seems to be an, uh, an infinite amount. I mean, we put a billion five on the pallet in cash, sent it to Iran a few years back under Obama. So we got lots of cash flying around. But I remember when Ross Perot was running for president, he said when we had a projected $5 billion deficit, he said, if that deficit appeared on my radar screen and when I was in a jet plane, I would eject. Now, he said he would eject if he saw $5 billion deficit on his radar screen back then. Well, now we're here at $21 trillion, so I don't know if Ross Perot, he would eject it all the way to Mars, man. Because if he's seen the numbers we're running now, uh, but these numbers are, are, are they even real? Well, first of all, that was a great impression of Ross Perot. And <laughs> Thank, secondly, you Thank you very much. Uh, we don't, we haven't backed our currency with precious metals in 50 years. Um, it is a fiat currency in in the purest form of the definition. Now, see, I heard that word fiat. I heard that word fiat, but I can still go down and, and buy me some crap over at Walmart with my fiat. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, they can they they can print as much as they want to, and say it's worth whatever they want it to be worth because the powers that be established. This is that transition from rather than the market dictating the value or or precious metals. This is the, the powers that be setting mm -hmm. the value of our currency, which is something that was never supposed to be part of part of the economic yeah. engine of our country. Well, I'll tell you something else Ross Perot said. He said, you vote for me, I'll go to Washington, I'm going to clean the barn out, see? I'm going to clean the barn. Boy, I'll tell you, that barn sure, his barn really was a swamp. He didn't know that. All right. Yeah, now, it would take Her uh, Hercules cleaning out the... Uh, uh, the stables is one of those 12 paths to get it clean now, I think. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, uh, join us in live chat. Jim Tedesco and Max Vogel back in there. Uh, doctor, what can the average person do to stop this Roman apocalypse heading our way? You know, there's a, a great line from... Uh, I mean, it's it's called together from some, some of Tolkien's different writings, but in the movie adaptation of The Hobbit, after Gandalf had met with um, some of the other members of what was called the White Council, um, the Elf Queen, Galadriel, asked him, he said, why did you pick The Hobbit to go on this journey with these dwarves to kill this dragon and, and get their land back and their treasure? And he said, well, you know, the other people on the council think that it's going to take great deeds and armies, you know, men and elves and wizards and all of this to win. And he says, but I, I've come to believe that it's, Gandalf says, I've come to believe that it's the everyday acts of kindness of average, everyday folk. You know, just being, he's basically saying, just being normal, helping your neighbor out, you know having a cup of coffee and talking with somebody, you know, mm -hmm. connecting with people, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know what else the wizard said? What? He said, when I arrive at a destination, I am neither late nor am I early. I always arrive precisely when I mean to. 
That's right. Good old Gandalf. Um, but no, I, seriously, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, and, and not not just not just doing that, but defend. There will come a time when we have to defend that way of life. You know, how important are those ele- those those better elements of our society? You know, those the small acts of kindness, the being being with people. That's another thing. You know, we can't mm-hmm. be with people. We can't be in you know big groups or big brother. You know, we'll put the boot on our neck. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, our bear report today, uh, bear was talking about why we need to be positive and then look for good stories because it's good, it's good medicine to, to think positively and, you know, we're, go ahead. Absolutely. It's the best, best kind of medicine and, and prayer, of course, you know, a good friend of mine says that prayer is not nothing and there's a lot of wisdom in that, that too. Uh, it's going to take that kind of, of thoughtful prayer. You know, for our leaders and our our society and our way of life, because you know we, as a nation, think of how many unborn millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of unborn children that we've killed in the womb, and the direction that we've taken, you know, with postmodernism and obliterating. Hey, by the way, uh, you're 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 in Texas, right? You got didn't you guys just pass a uh, a, a anti-abortion bill? Yes, uh, Man, you, after um, you can detect the fetal heartbeat, which is six. Wow. Six weeks. You know, the liberals didn't want, the, they didn't like that, man. They want to get in there and grab that baby and rip it apart, and you guys are trying to stop them. Well, they're, uh, I, mean, they're I, think they to, I think they want to eat them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're literally screaming bloody murder uh, about it. And, of course, now it, Well, you're messing gonna, with their diet. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's so stupid. It's just, you know. To, to defend, you know, I mean, what do you even say to that? You know, how, how can somebody defend doing that? And the point that I was trying to make is that God cannot turn a blind eye to that because just as every other aspect of God is perfect, His justice is also perfect. And there will come a limit. It seems like we're getting close. I think it's, I, it, it's boundaried and identified by what the New Testament writers call the, the fullness of the Gentiles, mm-hmm. when God says, okay, enough people have heard the gospel, you know, you've done X, Y, Z, now you got to you got to pay the price. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, there is this, this sense of... Talking about the fullness of the Gentiles. There's this sort of sense of impending, you know... Well, I think, well, I think the I think the the Democrats would make a deal with you Texans if you just let them get in there and give the unborn baby a jab. Maybe maybe they'd call that a compromise. Yeah, I'm sure that they would. Yeah. Or or they would just throw a temper tantrum and get on a plane and fly to Washington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't work out so well for them, did it? Now talk talk about the Delta variant. You know, talk about a super spreader event there too. So, man, you, you know, I love reading about Texas because um, it just seems that they, you guys got this free spirit, the spirit of the American West, the individualist, rugged spirit is still alive there, and they're trying to kill it. They're trying to swamp you guys with bringing out, you know, hundreds of thousands of barbarians from the South, and, of course, they're coming in from Africa, and everybody, everybody and their mother's coming, going down South America and coming up through Mexico across the border wanting that golden yeah. ticket. But uh, y'all are still rabble-rousing Americans, and, and I applaud you, sir. Well, thank you. You know, it, it, we're proud about everything Texas down here in Texas, but, but 
You know, that spirit is alive and well all over the country, in every state of the union. And we just have to remember that and, and dig down deep. And I'm speaking to people all over the world, too. You know, there are people that have that, have that, that spirit of individualism, and they know in their heart of hearts that even if they aren't living under it, that it's the natural state of humans to be free, independent peoples. Mm-hmm. It's the only way that we get close to utopia, not through social democracy or communism or, or socialism or tyranny or anything like that. Well, well, you're a tech, you're a Texan. Is there a euphemism out there? And I can't remember how it goes. Only two things in Texas: uh, steers and um, steers <laughs> and. Uh, so what's that other word? Is, yeah. that, is that true? There's only those only two things in Texas: is steers and something well, else. Now, now we have both of those. You do. Mm. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> but I didn't I, either. I didn't say it, but everybody thought everybody thought I said it. They heard it in their own mind, man. This is, this is a family channel here. <clears throat> but uh, no, no, I, you guys keep 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 firing against the feds, man. Uh, you obviously don't like them. And uh, Abbott and uh, DeSantis, man. I mean, uh, Joe Taliban. Tally Biden's got got it out for both of your governors, both those governors. Well, I mean, he can have it out all he wants to. I mean, he's a he's a meat puppet, you know. I mean, cl- clearly he has no control of his own faculties. Mm-hmm. You know, he reads off teleprompter. He's completely managed and controlled. So. Is is there something wrong with his brain, doctor? You're yeah, a doc. You're a doctor. But, you, what's wrong with him? I'm not a medical doctor, but I, I, I mean, it doesn't take a medical doctor to look at him and see that he's probably got dementia or some other other neurological mm-hmm. issue. Oh, somebody in the live chat said it's steer, two things in Texas, is steers and beers. Steers and beers, we got lots of that. See, that's what I was we, thinking. We consume both of those regularly, too. Mm-hmm. And like I say, man, Australia locking down an amount of beer you can have, that is wrong. That's, that's, yeah. that's pure evil from the pit of hell. Well, see, there are plenty of people in Australia that have the same fighting spirit that we do in Texas and all, all over the country. They do. You know, and it, it's just a, a shame that the, you know, the devil got a toehold where he did. Um, but, you know, I, I'm hopeful, you know, because there are plenty of people who are awake now in Australia. Um Uh, our, our prayers are with people, our, our neighbors down under for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Australian Ben or Peter in Australia put a one-liner, some outrage that just recently happened down there in the live chat, and I'll read it out. Um, mm-hmm. So oh, joining us in the live chat is Laura Rosser as well. I just want to point that out. So, Doctor, looks like the consensus in the in the chat or viewers is that we only got about six months left, and it's over. But I'm thinking, I kind of like what you said earlier, that there's still hope for this country of ours. The independent spirit is still alive. And for, and I think, and I've said this before, that the good people of America vastly outnumber the kooks. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Just because they have a digital megaphone that's larger doesn't mean that they, they outnumber us. Because if you look at the electoral map, the red counties... It's virtually from one end of America to the other. It's virtually all red county except for some blue cities, which has millions of kooks running around. And you have the the enclaves, as it were, of, of liberals, not liberals in the classical sense, but in the progressive sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what about the squad? Or, or, or 
the squad they want to take down America too? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, you, you can see the engineering taking place right now. Um, you know, whether it's whether it's in the medical community or it's it's on social media. I mean, it's a very sophisticated multi-front it's modern warfare mm-hmm. you may not know it I don't know if you, you you heard me talk about this but I, I had a show on Cooties 19 and YouTube banned it so a couple guests ago we decided mm-hmm. between me and the guests we called it a pathogen and uh, we, we talked about Cooties 19 the whole show and it got uh-huh. it got through YouTube censors because we just called it a pathogen so I like playing <laughs> tricks on them kooks yeah although I was kind of getting used to Cooties 19 <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, Doctor, we're getting near the end of the broadcast. Uh, what's your final view of, of America and the, uh, Rome, the Roman connection or, or the symbolism there? Uh, well, give me some final thoughts. Yeah, sure. You know, this is, and again, you know, I think more people would be aware of this, and, and you don't have to have a string of alphabet soup after your name to, to do it. Uh, it's all about, you know, garnering the knowledge for yourself and educating yourself and learning. You know, there, there was a time when the classical education used to be part of the American education system. We've long since thrown that out. I believe that's by design, too. Mm-hmm. Or else we could, more people could see more of these things and put the pieces together for themselves. Um, but I, I, I reiterate, I think that there are two directions we can go. We either go we either submit and go the way of the Western Empire and completely break apart and crumble, or we put up, we rally, put up a stand, reassert the principles that we were founded upon, live by them again, turn this country back to God, and we go the way of the Byzantine Empire. Okay. And you know, I people can learn about this stuff through through my institute. You know, I, I give coursework on it. And I, I happen to have a, a Mediterranean civilization um, program where people can learn about Greece and Rome and the ancient Aegeans like the Mycenaeans and the Minoans mm-hmm. and get a picture about, about what I'm talking about and why this stuff is so important because all Western civilization stems from that part of the And that's, at the end of it, it goes beyond... It goes beyond America. We're trying to preserve Western traditions here in the face of something that is wickedly extra-dimensional. Oh, man, extra-dimensional. That sounds like another show. Hey, by the way, I did get a, a couple from Australia, a couple guys. Uh, Peter says, in Australia, when the lockdown ends here in Melbourne, our premier says that there's a that the non-vaccinated will be locked out of cafes and restaurants. Then Australian Ben says... Uh, Qantas is giving away free holidays for vaxxed people whilst also sacking pilots and cabin crew for refusing the vax. Crazy times down under. Well, we pray, we want to keep our prayers for our friends down under as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and the whole the pilot issue, I, I, I think they, they were opposed to it because of the blood clot issue. You know, mm-hmm. not a good thing for. Right. You, you don't want the pilots dying at thirty thousand feet. Yeah. Yeah. They know some they know something's up. But you said there's a spirit a supernatural component here. Absolutely. 
Well, you know, we just got to the end of the broadcast, and let's just go ahead and make a note, and uh, I'll be gone for a little bit, but uh, text me or, or email me, and we'll get you back home. We'll talk about this spiritual component. Let's do it. Supernatural. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dr. Joe Burton, I appreciate you coming on the Edge broadcast. My pleasure, Daniel. All right, we'll, we'll have you back. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Good to see you. All right. All right, everybody, that was Dr. Judd Burton.